Hello, it's me again, Charlie, with a new episode of Just One More Opinion. Today's day 16 of my Assembling for Christmas MCU Marathon, and we'll be looking at Spider-Man Homecoming, the first Marvel Sony movie, featuring our favorite web-slinger. This is gonna be a very fun one, my friend, so let's go! Okie dokie, my broskies. Peter Parker is back. Now in his home movie, we had been first introduced to this new iteration of Spider-Man when Tom Holland took on the role for Captain America Civil War. Fast forward a couple months and Parker is bored, upset that Tony Stark hasn't been asking for him to join any new Avengers missions or even acknowledging how valuable Peter would be to the super team. For now, he's just <laughs> babysat by Happy Hogan, last seen in Iron Man 3. But even Happy doesn't seem to be that much interested in Parker's high school life. Well, I am. I think one of the big things Homecoming did very well was this was to show the balance of the, the balance of Peter's life in high school and his life as Spider-Man. We see him struggling in both worlds and how he copes with having to live a double life. And I think that this movie has been the first Spider-Man movie to explore more, um, more this duality of the character. The, the Tobey Maguire trilogy skipped through high school right in the first movie. And in the Andrew Garfield movies, we, we had the focus be more on his origins, not his academic life in any way. In Homecoming, however, we get a taste of Peter being a student, dealing with teenager things that I think some of us can relate to, having a crush, going to a party and feeling self-conscious, stressing about extracurricular stuff. Of course, none of us worried about stopping a gang of criminals at lunch break, but I don't think so, anyway. But yeah, John Watts, the director, was able to show us the two sides of this amazing, spectacular, ultimate character. And I think he, he did a great job at delivering an all-around fun movie. And the themes of this one revolve around having the chance to prove oneself. Like I said, neither Tony or Happy want to give Peter bigger responsibilities, hoping that he stays a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, but... Peter knows he can do so much more than stopping bike robberies or helping out lost ladies. He, and that's why when the opportunity arises for him to stop these four outlaws with Avengers masks and high-tech weapons, he wastes no time to impede the crime and find out more about the weaponry. And this is the inciting incident that propels the story forward, an urging need to prove himself worthy to be called an Avenger, and also a mysterious power source being used to create dangerous artillery. So, let's dial back and talk about the characters because we are introduced to a bunch newer ones. We've mentioned Parker, Happy, and Tony Stark does make an appearance as well, having a rather prominent role in the story, but Aunt May also returns from Civil War, of course. And I have to admit, I, I love Marisa Tomei as May Parker. She's Great fun and cares about Peter so very much, but it's the dynamic between her and Peter that really make their relationship work, and it's, it's so sweet and different. 
I would say, from uh, previous um, portrayals of Aunt May. You can see how much she gets worried about him when she doesn't know what's going on, and and one can help one can't help but think that she fears she's going to break the promise she made to Peter's parents, which is also a thing I love about this Spider-Man movie. There is no scene focused on his origin or Uncle Ben because that has been done twice in the last 15 years when the movie was released and doing it again would feel repetitive and boring. Um, a mention here and there is always nice, re referencing his uncle and the spider bite, but yeah, not showing us what we've already seen was a great choice. Maybe, and this is what I hope, they can do a flashback scene in the third Spider-Man movie, coming out a year from now, where we do see Peter with his Uncle Ben. Maybe, <laughs> if I wanted to be really cheeky, we can take another trip down memory lane and use um, a retcon that Marvel employed. Feige said that this kid with a Iron Man mask in 2010's Iron Man 2 was in fact a young Peter Parker. So let's use that. A kid, wouldn't, a kid wouldn't be all alone at a Stark Expo. He would probably be there with his uncle. And after Whiplash started sending his drone army to destroy everything, both Peter and Ben got separated. So when he's saved, so when Peter is saved by Iron Man, Uncle Ben rushes in to hug him and take him out of harm's way, and they have a chat about how Ben will always be there to protect Peter and how he'll keep his promise to his parents. It could be this really emotional little scene. I don't know, it's an idea that I thought of about today. Um, yeah, I think, I think they will do something with Uncle Ben, well, with Uncle ben in the third Spider-Man movie. I hope so, um, because it's, it's always nice to know how, how his relationship was with uh, Peter and vice versa. Moving on. We have Jacob Batalon playing Ned Leeds, Pete's best friend, who finds out early in the movie that Peter is Spider-Man. Ned becomes the first non-Avengers affiliated person to know about Peter's secret, and it creates a lot of funny scenes with <laughs> Ned's curiosity and enthusiasm getting the better of him. Their friendship is really cool, their interactions are just what you'd expect from two nerdy high school kids and their special handshake is very nice as well. As for other side characters that don't play a specifically vital role in the story, we are introduced to Tony Revolori's Flash Gordon, who is a modern-day bully, a lot of talk but little action, which is, in my opinion, a refreshing take on the character and something that is going to be developed in the sequel, which I'll dive into when I get there. Zendaya plays the awkward Michelle, also a nerdy student who seems to be interested in Peter more than he knows, and at the end she tells her friends to call her MJ, thus establishing this, uh, that this iconic Spider-Man character is within the franchise, with a little twist, as this MJ doesn't have the same personality from the comics or other movies. Again, it's a refreshing thing that I, I thought it was nice. Um, we also have the character of Liz, played by Laura Harrier, who here is the girl that Peter has a crush on. In the comics, this would be Liz Allen, but the movie changes that slightly. I'll get into that when I do. 
As for the bad guys, we have five new characters. Let's start with the less prominent ones first. Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino, plays the criminal Aaron Davis, who is also regarded in the comics as the Prowler. He doesn't have a major role in the story of this movie, but he does reference his nephew being around, who many will know to be Miles Morales, another Spider-Man who has recently had his own Spider-Man video game, and back in 2018, we had the awesome Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse animated movie, which really put Miles out there for any people that weren't familiar with the character to just know about, about him and... Yeah, let's hope that Spider-Man 3 finally gives us a live-action Miles Morales, Spider-Man, um, so that Sony can start doing standalone movies with him, because he's such a great character, such, such a great Spider-Man, so much different than Peter, and yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do with the character. Anyway, we are also introduced to two shockers. The first one is the ungrateful jerk Jackson Bryce, who is played by Logan Marshall Green, and the second one, the the one that survived, is the one most of us are familiar with, Herman Schultz, played by Bokeem Woodbine. I think it's always fun to give us more Spider-Man villains, but the Shocker's existence in this movie, uh, both of them, are as basically, they're basically henchmen for the big bad, and that's just... me. I don't know, I do hope we get to see Schultz return, as soon as possible, but here his character has nothing special about him, I'm afraid. Um, but our big bad is played by the legendary Michael Keaton, a former Batman who now puts on a new pair of wings as he explores the role of the Vulture, real name Adrian Toomes. And I, I love Toomes. I think it's another fully-fledged villain with a decent backstory and a great motive. He's just a blue-collar working man wanting to provide for his family, just trying to do business. The, um, the start of the film actually takes us back to 2012, right after the events of the Avengers movie in New York, and Toomes and his crew are hoping to salvage the alien wreckage to make some money, some good money. But they are replaced by Tony Stark's new cleaning-up organization, Damage Control, which makes... Which it makes Tombs furious and leaves them with this sense of revenge, because he's always been getting by, um, just getting by while the rich and powerful walk over him. But now, with some of the alien technology he still had in his possession, he's looking to turn the game in his favor with the help of Phineas Mason, the Tinkerer, a tech wizard played by Michael Chernus, who's just this naturally curious, peculiar character that I hope makes a return soon as well. So, yeah, now Toomes and his team have new business. They steal any bleeding-edge technology left from the Avengers' messes, many messes, and they sell upgraded weaponry to the highest bidder. If you see it like that, it seems pretty hollow, but it's Adrian's motives to to be able to give his family a good life. That's what's enticing about his character. He, he's not looking for chaos or death. He only wants to make a living. And that right there makes for a much more compelling villain than, let's say, a guy who just wants to turn the universe into darkness. Um, 
That's my opinion, but I think most people agree with me in that regard. But let's move on. Uh, go through the story and mention every important scene. Right at the start, we have a cool video that Peter filmed while in Berlin for the event uh, for the events of Civil War, which I thought was just so dorky, but so Parker as well. Exactly what a teenager would do in that situation. Um, we have that moment with Tony in the car and that fake hug, <laughs> and that and that was a, such a simple. I want to say setup uh, for the actual hug Tony gave Peter in Endgame. And I have to say that a lot of the, what what is said in the Tony Peter scenes is so important for the the development of both characters. Tony wants to protect Peter, and Peter wants to live up to Iron Man. Just two plot points, two ideas that are key for the last two movies of Phase Three, which are Endgame and Far From Home. I thought their relationship was a very captivating part of Homecoming. But, like I said in the beginning, Peter spends months without any word from Mr. Stark, always giddy with excitement for some Avengers news and for any opportunity after school to be a, vigil a vigilante. And <laughs> that's why my favorite scene in, in this movie is that first act, act sequence of him putting on his Spidey suit after a long day at school and doing some superhero chores and I mean isn't that the dream just swinging around the city helping people out and leaving homework for later I I, I think it is I think that's the dream for me at least um, we then get that that pseudo Avengers uh, fight scene I've already talked about we get an action scene with Peter following some bad guys with the alien tech and he's thrown into a lake by the vulture making that the, their first interaction Peter is saved by remote-controlled Iron Man armor, and Tony tries to make Peter think straight about chasing big bad guys. But Peter, of course, doesn't listen to his mentor, and with the help of Ned, he hacks into his Stark-built Spider-Man suit and removes the, <laughs> the training wheels protocol, opening up a bunch of new web combinations and special abilities, as well as giving him his very own AI, who, is, who he calls Karen. And the cool thing about Karen is that she's voiced by Jennifer Connelly, who in real life is married to Paul Bettany, who has been Tony's AI, Jarvis, and now plays Vision. <laughs> I thought that was a very cool choice in casting and really adorable, adorable as well, indeed. Um, Peter also needs to save his friends, who got trapped into a damaged elevator inside the Washington Monument, providing for some really cool Spider-Man-esque action moves, and the situation as a whole was, was, really, was really nice. But the really iconic Spider-Man pose came in the Staten Island ferry scene, where we meet a character that is not very prominent in this mo movie, but will be very soon. McGargan, played by Michael Mando, who in the comics is the villain Scorpion. I cannot wait to see this character in costume and as a real threat to the web slinger. Hopefully, hopefully, in next year, next year's uh, Spider-Man 3. Peter inadvertently makes the fairy split into two when he's fighting a vulture who shows up. 
and all the webs he can muster are not enough to put it put, to put the fairy back together. So once again, Iron Man saves the day. And then Tony has a serious conversation with young Pete in which he takes the suit back and leaves Peter with his spirit damaged in a way. The only thing that can lift it is the upcoming homecoming dance. Oh my god, that was a mouthful. Um, and in a bold move, Peter asks Liz if she wants to go with him, and she says yes. It's felt a little good to be true, but, uh, you know, in real life it doesn't really... But yeah, we, we needed this, so we could get to that final plot twist. Adrian Toomes is Liz's dad. Wow. I was not expecting this at all when I watched the movie the first time. Um, even though they hinted at it like so many times, actually, if you rewatch the movie, you're like, oh, okay, that makes really. Yeah, they actually left the clues in there so we could find out before the, the twist. But oof, the tension of that scene when um, when Peter is in the car with Adrian and Liz. Oof, it's it's so ah oh. Peter's behavior, which is hilarious and also very stressful. Um, so yeah, it's so oh, yeah. Tom Holland did a fantastic job at that moment. In that moment, um, and Toomes as well. He, he's just being this regular dad, asking too many questions, saying these silly things, and trying to scare poor Peter, but for another reason. But I'd say he's scared all of us when he realizes this kid is actually the guy who's been halting his business. Just this, oh, a frightening scene. You, you see that the tension build up, like the soundtrack does a, a great job at like, um, hamping that up. And Liz has no clear, clue about what's going on, which is another layer on top of this very conflicting moment that I just loved. Yeah, it, re it really worked very well. Yeah, it worked very well. Um, and after Liz gets out of the car, Adrian confronts Peter and tells him to back off, or else. Pete listens to the man, um, but deep down, we all know he's not going to turn his back. He plants his phone inside Toombs' car so he could track it later, which is very clever and brave. And after putting on his first spidey suit, he faces the vulture, who now has a new upgraded armor. I believe... I. Th like, during this viewing, I thought it was new, like, it seemed bigger, but at the, the like, the first three times that I watched it, I, I thought it was the same armor, same suit, but I think it was an upgraded one. Anyway, Adrian was prepared, um, was prepared to face Peter, so he lets the building fall on top of him, which offers us another fantastic emotional scene with Peter stuck under the, under the rubble, and he's scared and he's crying. Holland's acting really sold us this moment of a kid in full panic mode. But Peter remembers what Stark told him. If you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Which sounds a lot like with great power comes great responsibility. At, at least that, as an existential advice to our hero. Um, so Peter finds the strength to escape all that wreckage in a shot straight out of the comics <laughs> and follows Vulture whose plan is to hijack Stark's plane that contains a whole lot of tech goodies 
that would make Toombs and his team rich and allow him to retire from the criminal life. So he also has a very complex goal with this um, robbery. Spidey stops the vulture and in a rather simplistic final fight with not a lot of cool moves, uh, Peter saves Adrian from dying and secures the um, Stark shipments which had been sent from the Avengers Tower which was sold to an unknown party and is still a mystery to this very day. But oh well, I'll leave that for another episode. The day is saved by our friendly neighborhood hero who is now seen by Tony as worthy enough to be called, officially, an Avenger. Stark has a room full of reporters ready to receive some big news, but Parker chooses to stay at ground level and help the little guy. So <laughs> the press conference would have to be, it would have to be about uh, something else, perhaps some rather impulsive marriage proposal to Pepper, who is back with Tony again now that the Sokovia Accords were signed by him, which is really cute. Um, I thought it was nice. Finally, they're going to be husband and wife. It's um, like a lot, a lot, and even Happy says this, like he had been carrying the ring since two, 2008, <laughs> which I thought was really cool. Um, but yeah, the last moment of the film shows Peter back in his uh, apartment and he has the Stark made spider suit waiting for him. He puts it on and in the background is Aunt May, confused and shocked. <laughs> this making this the first live action Aunt May that is actively knowingly aware of what her nephew is doing after school, which I thought was, again, refreshing. Um, anyway, that's, yeah, that's Spider-Man Homecoming. Overall, this is a very fun movie experience, earning an easy 8 out of 10 in and outside the MCU. But I do have some problems with it. S just some problems with it, not a lot. Uh, starting small, there are a few moments, a few jokes that are, in my opinion, inappropriate for kids. And Spider-Man is a, ver a character that is very directed at younger viewers. Um, and there were just, yeah, these like couple of moments that were really not kid-friendly. Another thing that could be seen as annoying um, by many people is the fact that Tony Stark has created another villain in the MCU, in this case, Vulture. For, for this movie, I wasn't that fussed about it, but in the sequel to Homecoming, I think that it became a bigger issue for the fandom because... Um, this this is a Spider-Man story, but it's leaning so much in, onto the Iron Man franchise. Um, so I see how people are upset. I was a bit upset as well, because it's not a fully standalone story, Spider-Man story. If you if you are following something that happened in another movie, um, really connected to another character, but I enjoyed it because there were lots of cool, interesting ideas going on, and there were some very funny moments, like the Captain America videos, just... <laughs> just g genius little ideas that I... that I didn't know were coming. Um, so Homecoming will get a good place on my ranking when I do that episode, as... 
Spidey is still one of my favorite superheroes of all time, and in this uh, iteration of the character, and this is now the this is what the um, the sixth, yeah, the sixth um, Spider-Man movie in the last two decades, and I really enjoyed it. It it made me be it made me want to be a kid again. <laughs> I was uh, oh my god, I was eighteen at the time. Yeah, it was three years ago. Um, but I think Spider-Man is one of those characters that can make anybody, anywhere, want to be a child again. And that is it, folks. We went on an adventure with our friendly neighborhood, Peter Parker, and his super alter ego as well of course tomorrow though we will be discussing Thor Ragnarok which was a very pleasant refreshing change of pace for the God of Thunder as a character and the movie as a whole was really different as well from previous Thor movies so I'm really looking forward to tomorrow stay safe I appreciate you all and goodbye